0: And as I call in the east, I walk into the stream. And as I call in the south, I bring water to my mouth. And as I call in the west, the creek swallows my chest. And as I call in the north, I am swallowed by her soul.
1: Hello everyone and welcome to Río Cosmico, a podcast about healing. The Río Cosmico podcast is brought to you by Río Cosmico Homestead, our seasonal ceremonial microvillage and library of earth magic. I'll be your host, Yaya Erin Rivera Merriman, and as always, gracias, jajom, goto mayaget. Thank you for listening. Hello everyone. This episode is part two of a two-part series in which we're speaking with Taino, Akutu, or grandmother, Irka Mateo. We highly recommend that if you haven't already, you press pause and make sure you've listened to part one so that you can have a deeper understanding of who our guest is and where they're coming from. If you've already had a listen to part one, then we'll dive into part two now, and we hope you're enjoying the conversation. What's coming up for me is through my connection with the Iguayagua community mm-hmm. and the opportunity to just read or think about, but really try out living within the code of ethics of the tribal bylaws. I appreciated the, what would I say, dis- strong and discouraging of nationalism among Taino people, yeah. because that's a, a colonized mindset to focus too much on this borders and that borders because we were fluidly distributed throughout these different lands. So for folks who are still learning some of the, just geography and historical movements of the people, would you be willing to share just that origins of coming down the Orinoco River and and the dispersion and the lands that because there might be people listening who don't actually know that they're taino who are who might learn through this conversation that that may be part of their blood
2: so now you know about what you, you said about the discouraging the nationalism this is something very beautiful because there is this current between us from different islands of of treating ourselves as relatives no matter without looking to the island where we were born and this is something that i am practicing and on a daily basis is like like sharing informations and uh, with people from body Ken, which is Puerto Rico and you know and it's, there is not this nation involved like uh, you are bo- from Boricain and I am from the from uh, from Quisqueya and I am from Haiti so this is something very beautiful that is uh, that uh, we are experiencing now so um, about what you ask me
1: I think for me it was really my homecoming uh, I I could finally connect with this something inside of myself to learn the origins in the the Andes in Venezuela, and so just kind of wanting to hear that that origin point and the and where how we came down and distributed into the what the names of the lands. Yeah. Okay. So
2: now we know that they that they were like two distinct migrations. One that was from eight thousand to five thousand years ago. And uh, it came from Belize in Central America and went to Cuba. And then at the same time, there was another one that came from South America, from the Amazon. So these two migrations came to Cuba and they were stone tool users. So then, later, like five thousand to three thousand years ago, there was a second migration that came from South America, from what is today Venezuela and Colombia, and these are our ancestors. Belonged to the Arawakan language trunk, and they came. They were in the in the north of Colombia and Venezuela they went through the rivers paddling through these rivers you see that if you see a map of um, South America and you see the Orinoco Delta you will see how many rivers affluent rivers are there that uh, that arrive to the to the Caribbean Sea in this Orinoco Delta so they came paddling uh, through these rivers and from there then they went paddling from island to island. Until, island to island means the lesser until starting like there, like Trinidad today, the, these islands in, in the, the north of South America. So they went jumping or paddling in their canoes until they got to Puerto Rico. So they populated Puerto Rico and the Virgin Islands. And from there, they started populating uh, what is today the Dominican Republic, Haiti, Jamaica, and Cuba, and also people from the Bahamas so these people who came from this region in the second migration they brought the juca and they brought the ceramics because they the moment that um the the indigenous people they domesticated the yuca, then they became sedentaries and they started to make pottery and they started using it for cooking and for serving and uh, and also they started doing the ceramics for honoring the ancestors and having also the tools that we also use for our uh, cohova rite, which is our medicine. So then these stone uh, users, people, they had contact with the the Arawakan people who brought the yuca and who brought uh, the ceramics. And the yuca that was brought was the bitter yuca that was good for making cassava because it's a yuca that is very poisonous, it has a cyanide. So you need to harvest it and leave it there for a while, three, some three days. So, and then after that, you strain it and you take out all this poison So this was a whole process that they discovered and then the yuca, it it looks like it arrived to the Amazon from Guatemala there, uh, the the yuca, it looks like it appeared there like 4,000 years ago and then it traveled to the Amazon and then it traveled to to the Caribbean together with uh, the ceramics that was part of all this. all this uh, spiritual system, because as I told you before, and is that uh, the yucca is it's just not our main staple, but our main offering to our ancestors' deities. Mm.
1: Thank you so much. So in this, you've mapped this kind of geological and like this terrain in terms of geography and in terms of time a little bit, and it I, was helpful for me to really follow my attraction to ceramics, even just as like a sensual calling to touch them and to have them around. And then to see that the um, Taino were an emergence from saladoid culture and that saladoid culture's and broken down into these time periods, one of which is kind of just called like the ceramic age, like the people of the ceramic. So like that this the ceramics was actually like a major identifier of a lot of the animals and beliefs and tools and life ways. And so I like to think that by making contemporary Taino-inspired ceramics that I'm putting my hands in the hands of the ancestors and saying, well, show me, you know, I I, want to feel it. So I know that you are, have gone really deeply into this path in creating ceramics for your healing rituals. I'm excited for you to continue to report back to us what you uh, receive through actually using the making and then using these tools in their intended context.
2: Yes, yeah, for me, it's very important to bring to help bring the ceramics back to the hands of women because it was the women who made the ceramics. And uh, when you see ceramics that are not very precise or or we could say like professional, the thing is that those were the, the girls who were learning, you know, mm. it was not that Aww. they were like, but artists or nothing, it was, you know, ceramics Aww. that has arrived to us of these girls who were learning with their mothers, you know, and every time yeah, wow. you see, it's so tender so beautiful, so you know, in the Dominican Republic where I have done, you know, all my looking for my research and uh, coming back to the land and to the culture, the women, they were still doing ceramics until the 80s I used to visit with them and and actually buy a lot of things from them because I wanted to have that in my house you know because there were still the seeds that were carrying the how-to of the ceramics but today one of these women is very old and she's already like not making ceramics and she's not passing the tradition because the young generation are not interested there in the in these towns. Mm. Now, so when I learned this, I said, I had the calling. I said, okay, so let me see how can I help to bring this back to the hands of women. And this is the way that I started to making these ceramics. And uh, later on, when when I become more experienced, my project is to, to bring this back to the hands of women and, and teach women to do the ceramics again. Right now I'm doing them just for, you know, for practicing because I am new. I am new and, uh, and I am practicing and I'm doing this. Uh, I'm also uh, mixing together other indigenous cultures because this, was, this happened in our in the ancestor times, that they they traveled so much. You know how they we were traveling around the Caribbean and going back to the Amazon and and going even to the Andes. So we will trans. People will share the culture and they will transmit the culture. So we were not appropriating anything that belonged to the Andes or that belonged to the Amazon. We were just uh, helping each other to to go further. So I'm doing the same thing that our ancestors did, and I say, oh, this is a beautiful thing that uh, that people from the Ecuador did, so let me fuse it with the Taino. So I'm also doing a lot of experimentation, bringing together the transmission of culture of uh, the indigenous people from our area, the people that in uh, mm-hmm. contact with us, yeah.
1: This is actually a dynamic that I really want to hear more elders speaking about. And I'm I'm gonna ask you to talk about a little bit more, where I live in North America, and there are many different intact traditions that feel my understanding is or small areas, the traditions very distinct to the area and to the families, and so there's no call to share those ways with people from the outside who may not respect it or honor it or may commodify or warp it in some way and those are considered more secretive that would be the word on the street oh those people they they don't you can't go and look at their pueblo and you can't go there and learn all about their ways because you're interested you know and and I feel like I honor that you know what's yours is your right To do with what you feel called to do. And then my own journey has had me feeling powerfully called to many different Caribbean groups. And then living here, uh, where people are deeply trying to understand what constitutes respectful sharing. And what the differences are between a cultural exchange and cultural appropriation, it's often a knee-jerk reaction to view, if people really knew my whole history, to view that as, like, quote, new age cherry picking. Um, Oh, you're just flitting all around and you can't commit and you're not serious about going deeper and, you know, you just want to adorn yourself for this spiritual tourism. There's all this language around something that I guess it probably exists. I don't know. That's not my lens, you know? It's just like what I encounter. So, you know, let's just say that that exists somewhere, but that's not my experience. It's like my healing journey, my real suffering needs to survive to connect with family have brought me to these different places. And it's only now, I'm 40 years old, that I'm starting to understand that this is something distinct to the spiritual identity of South Americans is this understanding of how much we moved around and how much sharing among cousins, you know, the cousins at the table, coming back together as a family and sharing things that ultimately help us survive, if not physically, then spiritually. So they're not spiritual in the way that can be thought of as something other than essential, you know, as an adornment that they're like, well, we'll die without this. And we want our family to live and be well. And so of course we will share with them all that is good that we find on our movements and travels and journeys. So I would love to hear you just speak about, do you see it is as potentially necessary to initiate into more than one tradition If you are of South American blood ancestry in order to honor all of the parts that are inside of us. And if so, then how do you define the difference between the time in the journey where you're you're just instinctually following the call Maybe the ancestors are guiding you, but you don't really understand exactly what you're doing and you're moving around and maybe you have this garment from this initiation and this medicine from this other. And yeah, just distinguishing that from cultural appropriation or what your definition of cultural appropriation that can guide some of us who are really trying to be respectful, but who are diverse internally and need this wholeness.
2: Yeah. And this brings me to think about the language and the, and, and the new language that we are having. Like you were talking about Iguayagua, right? So what happens? We have bits and pieces of the language, right? We have words, but we don't have the grammar. So what is Iguayagua doing? They are, they are searching the, the words in other Arawakan languages, Mm-hmm. That uh, belong to the trunk, and they are also uh, looking, for example, with the Garifuna, which is a mix with um, with African people from from several parts of Africa, and that which is mixed with the Kalinago, which is which is the Carib, and which is mixed with the Taino. So we don't we don't have our culture intact. So we as as Taino people, we can go back and look at the cultures that are still alive that had to do with our own Taino culture. We have the right to do this, to be able to reconstruct or the language, or the ceramics, or the spirituality. We can look there to our cousin because they have pieces of information that we have lost. So I encourage people to do that. You know, even if, um, you know, we have like a condor um, amulet made of jade that was found in the Dominican Republic. How come we have a condor? It is because our ancestors were in the Andes. With the people. Mm-hmm. So we are intertwined and our cultures um, meet, they, they collide, and then we can find the answers of what we don't know in the culture of our cousins. You know, so there is a, this is the way that we are going to be able to have a new, because what we are doing is. Uh, But taking from what we have read, taking off of of what we have uh, researched, what we have um, uh, practicing in in the countryside that the elders have, but also bringing about what our cousins who are still their cultures are more intact still have there, so that we can remember and we can create a new Taíno ceramics, a new Taíno spirituality, because we don't have everything. The devastation was very generalized.
1: I am on my father's side, mixed English, Irish, German descent, and focus more on the Irish because those are the ancestors who seem most interested in me and my and the work that I'm doing and show up the most and make the most noise. <laughs> so I'm very enjoying where my exploration of Irish ancestry, pre-Christian Irish ancestry and culture and Taino culture are catching up to the same level of understanding. And I can actually see the cultural exchange that happened there, because of course they were ships with Irish slave ships that landed on Borican. And so I have Irish ancestors from Puerto Rico also. And that I see that the Celtic, culture, which spread a lot of Irish culture all over Europe, it was not a a nationalist culture and it was not a blood lineage. It was a linguistic family. It was a linguistic lineage. So when you speak the Celtic languages, that was what made you Celtic over everything else. And I see this in the Caribbean, and I see this with the Arawak languages, that there's that same orientation, which again is very not Western, not colonial mindset and kind of mind-blowing to say this isn't like blood inheritance and who gets this land and, you know, ensuring wealth within families. It was something much more ephemeral and spiritual. So what I would offer as, a, I think, a place that i found i can connect with across this ideas of nationalism is that all of these arawakan languages they have um, a quality like if i listen to the names of the places you were talking about there's all these agua dulce you know my family's rivera the people of sacred high waters the fresh waters and the languages have all these all these kind of back of the throat guttural they'll say Sounds like bubbling river. So that's the lineage to me. And that's what I've honored in the name of my school, that's Escuela del Rio Cosmico. Is like, what's this all about? All of this lineage, ancestry, politics, spirituality, the earth, ecology. What is it for me? It's like, whatever the answers come to me as a student of the cosmic river. And I feel that is what my ancestors were also honoring and celebrating and worshiping with the sounds and the syllables, the way the mouth moves to make the sounds of the mother tongue. And so I really appreciate you naming this dulce language of your lineage, Kiskea, because it just, it's consistent with my belief of like what we are, this who we are. Yes, and um, fresh water. water yes and
2: and uh, together with uh, what you're saying about the sounds of the language and the and and a, a language a lineage as we were in the past oral traditions, so songs were very important poetry was very mm-hmm. important because we transmitted our culture and our spiritualities through sounds this is why we mm. do sound healing and this is why you know in many ancient cultures you know all the indigenous cultures of the world, not only the the indigenous cultures of the Western Hemisphere, had all these uh, instruments, all these flutes and the the singing bowls, you know, because uh, we are very, very sound, um, prone people. You no, the sound is primordial. The sound is primordial to bring the spirituality and to bring the healing and to bring the, the culture. So there is nothing more sacred for an indigenous person than a gift of a song, because there is contained a, a part of our wisdom for healing, mm-hmm. for our history. You know, so our, in, in the indigenous cultures of the world of the world rely on the sound relying on the power of the sounds and the words
1: It makes me appreciate how you have been known as a musician and then in, later in life come out more as in the fullness of who you are and so there might be some sense of oh she's a musician and a healer cool but that it's not there aren't really these like two separate things that the music and the instruments and the songs would be the means of healing, of teaching, of passing on the history. So, yes. well played.
2: <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, even in, in my albums, I say this is a healing music. You can read it in my albums, you know, it's a, even though this is a, because the music that I used to do until... Uh, uh, 2017, that I released my most recent album. It is a music that is inspired in the folkloric ceremonial rhythms from the Dominican Republic, which are Mm -hmm. these rhythms that are played in the in the, in the uh, agua, agua Dulce or in the 21 Divisiones or in El Liborismo. It comes from there. It comes from these sacred and social rhythms that we play in the ceremonial context. So mm-hmm. you didn't know that you were dancing to this music that was played in a regular festival or a regular venue, but it always had this foundation of uh, spirituality.
1: hear that again and again speaking with folks of older generations is that this idea of like separation of church and state is new and you know maybe it's necessary maybe not I don't know I won't go there but that in the past that like there wasn't um, a distinction between spirituality and life or between spirit and practical it was it was one? Yeah, this is what we were saying
2: before. A cacique could be a deal. you mm-hmm. know, and that. And how how would the cacique govern by by getting in contact with the ancestor through our medicine plants, through mm-hmm. through a ritual, through a spiritual ritual? So it was together. It was the ancestor was uh, was the people who are in the afterlife who were guiding the community. You know, the ancestors were a social force and were the foundation for the chief being able to govern.
1: So to start to wind down, I would love to hear... I've heard you speak before on one of your educational videos on YouTube, which I just, as a side note, love. And I hope that more elders take your example and record their wisdom for the next generation in this new format. But you share in one of them about these all these ways in which Taino culture is actually part of world culture and we maybe don't even know it in the words that are from our language that have made it into the global consciousness and since we were talking about the syllables and the sounds and how much they carry of our personality I was hoping that you could share some of the more popular words that we all know but maybe don't know are of belong to the Taino people. Yes, well, you know when the the colonizers
2: arrived, they encounter meteorological uh, events or things that they didn't know before. It was a uh, it was a, a new world uh, for them uh, with um, a different weather and uh, different uh, climate. So what happened was that uh, they started naming these words with the original names, because as they didn't know them, they didn't have any word for them, you know? So one of them is amaca, which is hammock in English. Another one is huracan, which is hurricane. Another one is tobacco that uh, comes from tabacu. And um, this was the first um, the yeah they encountered the tobacco there for the first time. Another thing that we have here, let me say in English, the names of the fruits, like guava, is guayaba, papaya, the, it was also found there, and uh, pineapple. Pineapple in French we have the same uh, Taino word, which is ananas. And another, this is just a fun fact, the pineapples, the ananas that we find in Hawaii, they come from Puerto Rico, That that is widely known. So they are Taino seeds who went to Hawaii, and these are Taino ananas that we are eating in Hawaii and all over the world.
1: Wow, I, I didn't know that. So... For people who are listening and and want to explore these ideas and your offerings more, where can people find your music, your community ceremonies, your healing sessions? Yes. So I have a website,
2: which is uh, Sacred Taino Healing. So there you can find the moon ceremonies that I do twice a month and throughout the year and the sun ceremonies that i do four times a year and the day of the dead ceremony there mm-hmm. in uh, the website uh, you can also find a list of all the healing sessions that i do and also uh, i have instagram that is sacred taino healing where you can find me and find things that i am doing the um, many other you know things <laughs> that we can that we can share through the platforms.
1: Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. I'm wondering my sense is just that we can see in so many ways it's not a secret that we're a very divided country where I live and there's a lot of going into that, you know, dividing and inviting us to focus on the differences and instead of our humanity and it's wondering even the, the times that we find ourselves in, if it would feel aligned for you to close with a healing prayer with the intention that it might find whoever needs to hear words of healing at the perfect time when they would be most beneficial to be heard. Yes, I will I will do this in
2: the form of a form of a song and I'm going to bring my barack.
1: Thank you.
3: This is a song, it's going to be a spontaneous song, inspired by spirit, with the intention of the healing of all people who are listening to this podcast, to the relative, to the friends, to the community, to the cities to the country, to the world so that we can come together to honour ourselves as a human community around the world to have relatives that are the plant people and the animal people and the rock people and to honor these directions which are the container of our life and to honor the sacrality of our life that was given I love our father's son and our mother. son. <laughs> these healing sounds fill your heart and your mind and that you can echo them with all your melodies around
1: the world. Ha- home. Thank you. And a formal thank you to all of you as sacred listeners and to all the benevolent beings in all the realms who've gathered here today to inspire and direct the flow of this ritual of communication. We dedicate any merits accumulated through this work to the benefit of all sentient beings. May all beings be healthy. May all beings be well. May all beings know joy and not suffer. Jai ma. Amen. Namaste. Blessed be. Aho. May it be finished in beauty. Ha-hom. ha, hum. ha hum. If you'd like to hear us get into it about the concept of hierarchy as it shows up in ancestor worship traditions, you can click the link in our show notes today to explore our library of earth magic over on Patreon. This is where you can find all those yummy gut health-friendly treats recipes we talk about over on our Instagram, bonus episodes with our guests, as well as hundreds of other skillshares, workshops, patrons-only merchandise, and access to our seasonal live Q&A fellowship circles. As always, thank you for listening. It's a pleasure getting well with you.
4: Yo te amo, pues. Voy a babija, Se da caoba, compé. Gua luto y duesa maná. Yo te amo, pues. Escucho la cigua cantar debajo el agua. Cara, voy. Movide, me juco, me dan. Quisqueya, taína, guay. que. ¡Los indios que ya saben!